Great, well it's lovely to be here this morning, really wonderful. Lovely to see so many faces that we've grown to love and laugh together, weep together over the years. Really lovely to be here, but also lovely to see quite a lot of people that we don't know. Um, people sometimes say to me, how does it make you feel when you go back to Three Counties Church and you see people that you don't know? As though I might feel a bit sort of jealous or something. And I, I can honestly say it's just absolutely wonderful. I mean, it would be like a father being jealous of their children having children. And, uh, and the, you know, the only thing a grandfather wishes that he could spend more time with the grandchildren. And so it really is lovely to be here uh, with you uh, this morning. I'd like us to read from Isaiah and uh, from uh, Isaiah chapter 55 and we're commenced to read at verse 1. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters and you who have no money come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me, hear me that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not and the nations that do not know you will hasten to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendour. Seek the Lord while he may be found, call on him while he is near, let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts, let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will freely pardon For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out with joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. If we want a text this morning, I'd like to uh, hinge it around verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's one of the the great uh, Bible verses, if you had to pick out favourite verses, I guess for a lot of people this would be up there among them. I hope that as I speak this morning there will be something for all of us, something for everyone listening both here and online, but there's one specific group that I just want to speak to this morning or share with this morning. 
I don't know whether that will be a small group of just one or two or whether it will be, I suspect, a slightly larger group. I want to speak this morning to those of you who feel that it might just be over between you and God. I want to speak this morning to those who, who feel that somehow things have changed and they're different and you're not convinced that you'll ever be able to recreate what you had with God before. Perhaps for some of you there's been a growing estrangement, a, a sense of almost impossible to draw near and worship. It might be a long time since you actually felt that God was speaking to you and you might beginning now to think, I'm not sure I'm ever going to hear God again. Desperate to try to recreate what you had but almost finding it impossible to get back there. Sensing that you might now never recreate the joys and the privileges of faith that once held you instead. In fact, there might be some watching online today and you might be sitting on your sofa. And the reason that you're sitting on the sofa watching this service is because you're not sure that you'll be coming back. It might be that through the pandemic and the separation from gathered church and, and not meeting together, something you just realise something has been shifting in your faith and in with your walk with God. It might be that the, the pandemic hasn't caused the crisis. What the pandemic done has highlighted the crisis. It could be that your wife doesn't even know what is really going on inside. It could be that your husband this morning, he, he doesn't know that actually something significant has changed inside. It might be that those that love you closest don't realise exactly where you now stand and you are in a frightening place and it's a scary place that you find yourself in. For some of you, it might be an emerging feeling, almost a scary emerging feeling, something that you're frightened to explore for others of you, it might be far worse than that, that it's very acute and you feel that already you've left. That your body might be here even this morning, but you know that something has changed. Well, Isaiah chapter 55, it starts off with a, a very enthusiastic uh, invitation for us to come to God. Uh, it, it does feel, when you read this, that God actually wants us. There's such extravagant and repetitive language. And, and when you read this, you feel that God is passionately saying, come unto me, all you who are thirsty, come to me. But we say, yes, but I don't have anything. I don't, I don't feel equipped. And God says, come, all of you who are thirsty, come to the waters and you say you don't have anything, but God says that doesn't matter. Come, those of you who have no money, come buy and eat. Now it's interesting, isn't it? I don't imagine any of us here this morning really think that we could pay God. We don't really think we could get anything from God by giving him money. We, 
we're not that stupid. But I tell you what, I'm convinced that um, most of us constantly feel that we don't have enough to get this from God. I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough desire. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough gifts. I've got too much failure. I've tried so many times and I've got so much failure in my history. I'm just too easily distracted. Just not good enough. I don't have the right feelings. And God says in this chapter, he says, you don't need anything. Just come. Whatever you're feeling, whatever you're lacking this morning, just come and eat and drink of the abundance. I came across um, not just book of the year, book of my life. Uh, if you haven't read it, get hold of it. And don't, it's not the sort of book you sit down and, and just quickly read through and think, oh, I've done that. Um, it's to be, I'm on the second reading now with highlighter this time and, and I'm just meditating on every word. But I came across a quote on page, I can't remember now, read it and see if you can spot it. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> Gentle and Lowly um, by Dane Ortland, a life-changing book. Uh, not the sort of life-changing book that will just give you a new thought for a few days and then you'll run out. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, he, he, he says in one place, he says, we are factories of fresh resistances to the love of God. We are factories of fresh resistances to the love of God. In other words, my heart is forever finding new ways to avoid the love of God. And I found that so true and so amazing. Why on earth would we do that? But our hearts are continual factories for finding new reasons why we don't need to come and eat and drink deeply without money and without price. The older I get, uh, the, the truer I find that. That the greatest challenge in life is surrendering to the love of God. And to allowing God to come and love me even more, even though I would have thought for 32 years I tried to model to you, living in the unconditional love of God, I find that I am continually at that place of allowing God to love me more and more. And so this chapter starts with this incredible, this incredible invitation. Come, just come to me. Whatever you feel like this morning. However inadequate you feel, come to me and drink. And then God, in the next verses, he, he starts to reason with us. And he says, why spend your money on what is not bread and your labour on what does not satisfy? That's another very good question, isn't it? Why on earth would you spend your money and your energy on what is not bread and your labour on what does not satisfy? Jeremiah said exactly the same thing. Jeremiah said, why do you forsake a fountain of living water and hew out broken cisterns that can hold no water? You've got a choice of muddy water or a fountain of living water. Why would you choose to drink from the muddy water? 
And Isaiah chapter 55, God, God ties to reason with us. He says, why would you do this? I think it was about just uh, probably six months after we left um, that dear Steve Shellswell was diagnosed as having terminal cancer. And um, in the end it was very sad and it was very, very quick. But during that time between Steve being diagnosed and the funeral, Steve had a little saying that he used to say, I heard him say it a number of times, he says, why would I not choose to have a good day today? That has stuck with me. And I just wish that I said that every single day. Why would I not choose to have a good day today? I don't know about tomorrow, but why would I not choose to have a good day today? Why do we labour for what does not satisfy? I still don't fully know, but why is it I have the same battle every single morning? At seven o'clock in the morning, I get up to let the chicken out. And I go down and I let the chicken out, having to decide, am I going to wear my slippers out or am I going to change my shoes and put shoes on and go and let the chicken out? Anyway, so I go and let the chicken out and then I come back. By that time, the kettle has boiled and I make myself a very, very nice hot cup of tea. China cup, thin-lipped, and I take it back to bed and I sit in bed at seven o'clock every morning. And I really, really just love that hour sitting in bed. It's what you can do when you're retired. But why is it every single morning I have a choice between picking up the Bible, picking up the Word of God, and just spend some time ruminating on it, meditating on it, enjoying it, why do I have the battle between that and just, 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 just for a second, just to pick up the mobile phone and start with WhatsApp in case any of the children WhatsApp late at night? Just check, just check very briefly, just check very briefly text messages. There may be something important, something might have happened. Why do I then I think, well actually, while I'm here, I might as well just look at the, at the emails and just see if there's anything there of interest. Even if I stop there, it wouldn't be too bad. But then you think, well, let's just have a quick look at Facebook. Was there anything of really interesting last night? And then I better just check the headlines of the news. It would be terrible to wake up uh, and get out into the world and not realise that a president has been assassinated or a, I need to know. So I just check that. And do you know what? By eight o'clock, it's taken me an hour. And do you know what? Every single time I know that if I start with the Word of God and I start with just being quiet in God's presence, I start the day refreshed, energised, hopeful, positive. I've got a perspective on whatever the news is going to be that day. 
I know full well this is going to be a good, a better day. Now, not every day. Not every day that you have time with God, you wake up and think, wow, sometimes it's very little connection. Anyway, but I know 95% of the time if I start here with God, whereas if I start with the phone, I just feel I'm knackered by 8 o'clock. Life has been drained out of me. Why on earth? Why on earth? Would I start with the phone when it's something that doesn't satisfy? And I could be in the presence of God. And then in verses 3 to 5, God elaborates on the blessings he has for us. He says, look, I want to enter into an eternal covenant of love with you and endow you with splendor. It's good, isn't it? This is what God is offering us. And then in verses 6 to 7, he entreats us to seek him out and to look for him. But then we come to our text this morning. For my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. This is, as we said just now, it's one of the great verses of the Bible. And we always use it to illustrate the providential, sovereign hand of God. That God is a big God And he has a sovereign plan which is higher than ours. His thoughts are bigger than ours. And it's the sort of verse that we go to when something bad happens to us. It's the sort of verse that you go to when it rains on your wedding day. It's the sort of verse that you go to when actually far more serious things cut into our lives. We face tragedies. And somehow we go to this verse for comfort, for my thoughts, and we believe that God has higher eternal plans for our lives than we have for ourselves. And sometimes we can't see that. So we go to this verse at these times for comfort because God is a sovereign God. And I believe that we have every right to do that because I think it's true. But actually, that is not the context of Isaiah chapter 55. If you're going to read this text in its context, this verse is actually written to a group who thought it was all over. This verse is written to a group who were brought up on the stories of God bringing them through the Red Sea and opening it up miraculously. It was written to a group of people who God said to them, everywhere you plant your feet you can take it. You're going to live in a land of milk and honey. You're going to have a very prosperous and a wonderful life. This is what this verse, this is who this verse was written to. It was written to a group of people who, one of the greatest joys of their life was going up to, not, going up to church, let's say it, put it like that. Their greatest joy was tabernacle, joining together and going up to Jerusalem to have extravagant times of worship to experience the Shekinah glory, the presence, the immediate presence of God. And they grew up thinking that, you know, there's nothing better in life than church. There's nothing better than being with God's people, worshipping him and being lost in, and, and having God speak to us. There's nothing comparable. There's nothing like it in the world. It was written to a group of people who felt that. But... When they receive this word, they are in Babylon. 
They are in captivity. And they've been there for 70 years. 70 years. We read our Bibles and we often forget the time frames. 70 years is a long time. 25 years is a long time for Abraham to wait for a son. We, you know, we go through six months of our lives and we think, this is 70 years, this people have been living in, a, in, a, in another land. And if you want to know the atmosphere, just read Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat down and we wept. In fact, we took our harps and we hung them on the willows. We're never going to worship again. They knew that the walls in Jerusalem were broken down. They knew that the temple had been destroyed. And they thought we will never ever experience again what once we experienced. Those days are gone. And it's into that context that God says, but my thoughts, not your thoughts. And my ways are not your ways. You thought it was all over. You might be sitting on the sofa at home today thinking it's all over. And God says, but my thoughts are not your thoughts. And my ways are not your ways. And then God makes some incredible promises in verses 12 to 13. He says, you will go out with joy and you will be led forth with peace. There will be the joy of clapping hands again. There will be seasons of happiness. It may not be exactly as it was. You cannot ever recreate the past. But you will clap your hands again. You will dance again. You will be happy again. Because my thoughts are not your thoughts. You're thinking it's all over, but I have other thoughts. I have other plans. And where there have been thorn bushes, there will be pines. And where there have been briars, myrtles will grow. There are some good things ahead for you. There's some good things ahead for you this morning. Because, you see, God thinks differently than we think. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. I can almost hear some of you say, well, that was a good effort, Jonathan. But actually, I just don't know that I've got the energy to go at this again. What you don't understand, you see, Jonathan, my doubt is too deep. My disappointments are too real. There's been too many of them. My desire, even my desire is too faint now. In fact, I think I've learnt to settle for less. I've learnt to... Be content with a few thorns and briars. 
I can't just see, Jonathan, how this thing can be. Well, there's one verse that we skipped over, verses 10 to 11, because to this dispirited and broken people who just can't see how things could ever change, God says this, he says, what you need to realise is that my word is like water, it's like rain, and when the rain comes down, it makes things grow, and this word of mine, it doesn't return to me void, it it accomplishes what I sent it out to do. Because you see, when God decides to do something, when the 70 years were up, and it was time for... Israel to come back, God was able to make it happen. Because when God releases his word into our lives, something changes. And God is able to rekindle desire. And God is able to instill hope. And God can take a heathen king like Cyrus and can completely turn him around and use him for his purposes. He can raise up a Nehemiah. He can send somebody into this church this morning and give him a word, Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8. And he's already done that. This is an established fact now. Something has happened this morning. The word of God has come in to our hearts and to our lives and to this church. And it, won't, it can't return to him void. Certain things are established by, by, being, by happening. It's happened. Something has happened. Whether you really feel on top of your game this morning and feel really spiritually on fire, and you're firing all four cylinders, or, or whether you feel broken and you had been wondering whether you would ever fire again, I guess there's just one place for us to come to this morning. It's to come and to receive. Come and receive and just drink deeply. We're commanded in one verse here, seek, and it's right to seek, but can I encourage you not to try too hard? And Can I encourage you not to go off from this morning and say, okay, Jonathan gave us a good word this morning, I need to keep hold of it, I've got to keep hold of it, I've got to keep it alive. I, I, it might last until Tuesday morning, hopefully it will last until Wednesday morning, but I mustn't forget that, I mustn't forget, no, no, no. no. When the word of God comes, it doesn't return to him void. It does something inside of us. And I'm just trusting this morning that for some of you, hope has been reborn. It's not over. It could be a word for you as a church this morning as well. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you a future and a hope. For my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. You see... I love preaching on grace and there's not a verse in the Bible that is more packed with grace than Isaiah 55 and verse 8. For my thoughts are just full of grace and mercy and love. 
come and drink, come and eat.